Well, the topic we're going to talk about today is our relational journey with the Lord. And it's so important. Uh, Jim and I were talking uh, earlier that that the journey that we're on, um, you know, we have earthly relationships, you know, family, friends, acquaintances. Um, but God wants us to have uh, an, an eternal relationship with him. In other words, when you have a relationship with him here, whether you go by the grave or he does an Enoch on you, <laughs> you you will carry that relationship into the next dimension. When you go through the veil, however you go through that veil, you whatever relationship you've established here on in this earthly walk uh, will be carried on. And I, th- I think that's really encouraging for many to really work on their relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, you know, we, we may from time to time get a little mystical. Uh, and uh, hopefully All that means, Jim, is mysteries. Yeah. You know, right. God said he would reveal the mysteries and the secrets to yeah. those who continually to ask, seek, and knock. Yeah, amen, amen. So, but yeah, from time to time, we may, we may sound a little bit mystical, uh, but all we ask you to do is just uh, continue to operate in love <laughs> and uh, take these things to the Lord. And uh, I know sometimes every once in a while you'll hear, and I've said it myself, put it on the shelf, but I feel like the Lord is saying, this is an hour where I don't want things on the shelf anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> children. I want those things down off the shelf because as long as they're on the shelf, basically what you're saying is I'm content to remain complacent and content. And this is an hour when God is stirring people. Um, I have a prophetic word here from Pastor Oscar Bowling, uh, who's a precious brother in the Lord, was my pastor for quite a number of years. And I'd li- like to read it here real quick. Amen. Preach, if I may. It's good. I can tell you yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, Oscar prophesied to the congregation, uh, this goes back 10 years ago, but the prophetic word uh, is still eternal word. If if it was good 10 years ago, it's good 100 years from now, but it went like this, I am calling you up to a place you've not known. There's a lot of people in today's Christianity uh, that are stuck in different religious houses and, uh, you know, we all have our own way of believing, our own doctrines, our own creeds. And, and God is really trying to call us up into a higher consciousness away from a lot of the things that we have embraced in the current, current uh, spiritual consciousness that you're in. And anyway, the Lord says, I'm calling you up to a place you've not known where the secrets of my will will soon be shown. The hour is calling you to lay down your life, the heartaches, the problems, the struggle, and the strife. And, you know, when the Lord asks us to lay down our life, what he really is saying is, I want to handle all those problems that you're dealing with because those problems are what's keeping you from relationship with me, especially if you think God's the author of those difficulties. But he goes on, I'll read it to the end. Uh, If you follow on to know me in the fullness of my will, I will take off the limitations as you get quiet and still, and I will show you plainly of the Father in me. Remember, Jesus said the Father and I are one. 
I will show you plainly of the Father and me, which will cause you to change, and it will cause you to be a reflection of the Father and of the Son. For all of my creation cannot be set free until we are one. For only as you see me as I am, can I then bring forth the fullness of my plan. And God does have a plan, and you're part of it. And he wants us all involved. And he wants to bring fullness into your life. Yes. It's, yes. it's a desire of his, but it requires something of you. I mean, it requires you to seek him out. He loves you with an unconditional love. You know, well, so many people I've heard over the years saying, well, God wouldn't want anything to do with me because I've been bad. I've done bad things. I've hurt people. I've done this. I've done that. And I'm here to tell you, it's not about, I mean, your performance is important. Don't get me wrong. But your performance has nothing to do with the love that he has for you. Or your salvation. Or your salvation. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, but but I'm going to say this, Jim, and it's a pretty strong statement, but I, I, I believe it with all my heart. We're talking about, if you just uh, joined us, our relational journey with the Lord. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to have relations with you. And um, the only way that can happen is for us to embrace the unity and oneness that he's given us. It's, you don't have to work yourself up to be one with the Lord. He, he said, Jesus said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. That's pretty clear, Jim. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if Jesus is telling the Father, make them one as you and I are one, we all know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man when he was here on the earth. And he, and he always said, Rich, I only say those things that I hear my Father say. Right. So when Jesus, the Son of God, and we're talking about the Son of God here, when he prayed, Father, make them one as you and I are one, Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> that prayer is going to come to fruition. He works all things out after the counsel of his will. Amen. All things. Thank you, Lord, that he does. Yes, so, all things. Of my counsel, my yeah. will. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have a will and he has a will. Trust me, um, his will is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Just like Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And that's, that should be our prayer also, is that his will be done. But uh, the unity and oneness and being joined to the Lord, I believe, is our number one mission in this life. Because when that comes into play, then his unconditional love becomes our unconditional love. And we our perspective changes. I mean, if you're one with someone, you know that person really well. Now, he knows every one of us even before we were formed in our mother's womb. Now, it's the, the journey is for us to know him, not know of him, because many, many, many millions and maybe billions know of him. They call him the universe. They call him the source. They call him all kinds of things 
Mother Earth. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people call God. But the journey and the relational journey that we take with him is us knowing him better. The Bible says if you draw close to him, it's a promise. He's going to draw close to you. You know, I've heard people say, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. But let me tell you, (laughs) he would like to, but that's just not his M.O. You know, Rich, uh, I think a revelation that the Lord gave me some years back, which I lean on very heavily, uh, is about Jonah. The Lord really taught me something about Jonah's journey, okay? Uh, Jonah heard God. (laughs) (laughs) Hurting clearly. Yeah, he heard him, just like many of us do. Uh, And the Lord told him to go to Nineveh. As most of you know the story, if you're a Christian out there, you attend church. And so, you know, Jonah said, no, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. And he went in the opposite direction to Tarsus. Well, God's will was for him to go to Nineveh. Jonah's will was, I'm not going, okay? So here, I think, is a classic example of how God works. Because Jonah defied God... He lost the presence of God, and when he did that, storms came on him. And not only did it affect him, but it affected the lives of many people around him. And these are the things you've got to take under consideration, brothers and sisters. It isn't just you. Um, There's other people in your life. Maybe you're married. Maybe you have children. You know, if you have problems uh, or if you're living a sinful life away from God, it does affect other people. Just like in Jonah's day, it affected everybody on board that ship because these terrible storms came up. Ultimately, Jonah was thrown overboard. God sent him to Whale University, (laughs) which it seems like we all spend some time in that classroom at Whale University. And he saw the light, and he started crying out for God. And obviously, any time you cry out for God, he's there. And that was God's whole intention. When Jonah got out of his will, Jonah brought the storms into his life. God allowed those storms to work in his life. Why? For his good. To repent and change his mind. And ultimately, he ended up doing the will of God. He he, he allowed it for not only Jonah's good, but for Nineveh's good. Because back to what we said earlier, he works all things out after the counsel of his will. You need to meditate on that. that that's a powerful scripture it because is. we sit there and, yeah, we do have choices. Or like Jonah had a choice. And we have choices. So, yeah, you know, that is, you can make whatever choice you want to make. But like Jim said, uh, do you want to go to Whale University? <laughs> That's right. That's what the Lord I couldn't it. imagine being the belly of a big fish, man. I couldn't even imagine. I, you know, that would just, whew, that's crazy. So, you know, I want to do what God wants me to do. But anyway, um, let, let, there's, a, there's a couple scriptures that really um, talk a lot about um, where we are in our journey uh, you know, Paul saw the Christ waiting at the door of every soul when he wrote this. And that's in Ephesians 5.17. It says, Awake, thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine upon thee. Now, I don't want to get too heavy with this, but 
the Bible clearly says that we were crucified with Christ, Jim. That's right. You, you can't be crucified without dying. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's not possible. And so if you were crucified with Christ, you died. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, I mean, you didn't live. Christ didn't live. Jesus didn't live. He died, but he was resurrected. Yes, he was buried, but then on the third day he was resurrected. We have been resurrected with Christ. We are living that new life in a resurrected, we may not have the physical resurrected form, but we internally we are living that resurrected life. It says in, um, again, in, in Ephesians 5, uh, it starts off with, um, in 5.13, it says, Darkness loses its grip upon that which light manifests. And that's what we're talking about, waking up to the fact that we are children of light. goes on to say, Christ awakens you from your intoxicated slumber and resurrects you out of the death trap of enslaved thought patterns. It's in the mind. Yeah, it is. That's where we're separated from God, in the mind, not in our spirit. No. The mind of Christ has been given to you. It's given to everybody. But do we make that choice to receive it? goes on to say, take accurate stock of your life. Again, we're talking about a relational journey with the Lord. Take accurate stock of your life. Wise conduct defeats foolishness. These are the choices. You can choose foolishly or you can choose wisely. Verse 16 says, wisdom converts time into opportunity and frees your day from slog. If you're in a situation where you just feel like, you know, I'm on a, tr- I'm, I'm a, like a rat on a treadmill, you know, on that wheel that goes round and round, and I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Verse 17 will answer that for you. It says, make his master plan your meditation. Think on things above, not on below. Keep your eyes on Christ, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Yeah, that's a good one to meditate on, too. Um, Jesus is the author. I I thought I was the author. No, you're not God. (laughs) You're a son of God, small g, but you're not the big G. Okay? Oh, you're gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> That's <aren't> all you? <laughs> right. Praise God. You know, um, you know. There's one thing that I try and, and make this statement on every broadcast, and it's a simple one, but it's really profound. Uh, and it's probably something I heard some guy say many years ago, and I wrote it down. It goes like this: The Christian life is not about doing or trying to become something. It's all about discovering what Christ has already done for you. And I think that the church today is bogged down in the quagmire of a do-it-yourself religion. They think in order to go to heaven, you got to do this, you got to do that. In order to be pleasing to God, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to attend church two times a week, you got to tithe, blah, blah, otherwise you'll be cursed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And frankly, the Lord is saying, like he said on the cross, the last words that the Lord said was, it is finished. What did he mean by that? It is finished. 
your salvation has been finished. And, you know, he's forgiven, he's forgiven the whole world. I mean, even the ones that crucified him, what did he say? Actually, he was making this statement to the whole world, not just to those soldiers. But he turned to them and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So the world is saved. They just need to come into the understanding and the knowledge mm-hmm. of what's already been finished for them. Right, right. Um, if you can get a poem together, someone's calling in, I'll go in the other room. But the thing that we have to understand is there is only one spirit, Jim. And with one spirit, there's one principle of life, love, intelligence, and goodness in, through, and over all, even God, the good, omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful, all-powerful. And, um, and here's another thing, one presence and one power. You know, it's always dualistic. Yeah, we have a lot it, of teaching about this devil that's running around doing his thing. Yeah, it's, it's dualistic, you yeah. know. It's like us and God. Well, the spirit that resides in you is the same spirit that resided in Jesus. It's not a different spirit. You don't have your own spirit. There's one spirit the Bible clearly says. It just so happens that that one spirit resides in you. See, Paul had that revelation. He had a beautiful revelation when he made the statement, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to wake up the church in this particular hour to understand the oneness and the favor that we have of the Father. He is a God of unconditional love. And what that means is there's no conditions. Why is it that we work hard to try and please God? A lot of it comes from the teachings that we have in a lot of organized religious fellowships out there. Uh, Many of them are holding us in fear, fear that if we don't come to church, we're going to be out of favor with the Father. You know, if we don't give, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to church, or I'm certainly not saying there's anything wrong with giving to good causes and that, but when you're given because you think it's gaining you favor with the Lord, that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong spirit. Because you're not gaining any more favor with the Lord than what Jesus already gained for you at Calvary in the eyes of the Father. When the Father looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. He sees a finished and perfect work in you. And that's the place God wants to bring us to, to where we can actually see the reality of who we are in him. Amen. Yeah, a sister called in uh, and asked uh, if we could talk a little bit about this, and it's it's a great question, and um, I've wondered myself. Uh, we think we have a good answer for you, but anyway, she said, you know, when you guys were talking about Jonah, he finally, God sent him to Nineveh one way or the other, and it was by way of a big fish, and and kind of spit him off on the shoreline there, and he he helped Nineveh, and then Jonah was depressed. He was like, God, I knew you were going to do that. And, and her question was, which is interesting, and that is why, I mean, these people, I don't know how many, 120,000 people came to the Lord that day. They repented, and, yeah. And he, he left depressed. 
and upset with the Lord saying, I knew you were going to do that, you know, and, and why was he that way? And, and I, we have to look in the natural realm. We can't take this part spiritually because in the natural realm, Nineveh was an enemy. Nineveh was not an ally of, you know, where Jonah lived and, and what they believed and whatever. And so the, the first thing you got to look at is that they were an enemy. And the second thing you got to look at is Jonah spent three days in a fish and he wasn't happy anyway, you know. But it was a, it's the flesh. It's Jonah's flesh, to answer your question, that I believe, and I will get Jim's opinion, but it was Jonah's flesh that was rearing up saying, I didn't want to go in the first place. God made me go and look, you know, so what? All these people got saved. It's hard for us being soul winners here in, in the times that we live in now. For Jonah, it's hard for us to understand why would Jonah be upset when all the, I mean, nobody would be upset, I don't think, who's a Christian if you went, God sent you somewhere and all these people got saved, you know. I believe that right from the get-go, uh, God was dealing with Jonah in the area of pride, uh, which is the area that he deals with us in also. Um, I mean, it is what it is. What yeah. can I say? Uh, and when Jonah went there, um, first off, he didn't want to go because he was disobedient. He felt that he always knew the mind of God, and uh, and frankly, it's he did know the mind of God. He did know that God was probably going to spare them. And he when they heard repented. the voice of God. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think the biggest issue with Jonah was he went there and ministered for some time, telling them they were all going to be destroyed. And then when they weren't, what happened to his pride? Because yeah. now he's a false prophet. That's, that's good. All the people, 120,000 people said, well, Jonah said we, God was going to wipe us all out. And instead of getting wiped out, we're prospering and doing fine. And Jonah had a very difficult time swallowing that pride. Plus, he had to go back home, Jim. Yeah. And and all all his friends and family and all the uh, right. politicians, whatever, that ran, ran his country, they realized that that he did something very special for the enemy. Yeah, it, it definitely was a pride issue because, you know, it's like a prophet that comes in. And, and, you know, you may want to keep this in mind, too, especially if you're of the Pentecostal persuasion or whatever. But God does have men and women in the body of Christ today uh, that he will give information to and some light uh, that he wants them to impart to a congregation. And if it does not come to pass, that necessarily does not mean that they were a false prophet. Um these are things that you really have to take under look consideration. At, look at Balak or Balaam. Yeah. 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 He wasn't a false prophet, but he didn't obey God very well. He told him the truth, but it was not uh, what God wanted him to do. So anyway, we're going to take a break now.